from their secret lair in the back lot of an abandoned theme park in the heart of the New York of the South. They spring into action whenever an unwanted opinion is needed. This is Two Dudes on a Back Lot. Now, introducing your hosts, R.L. Sutton and Mojave. We are Two Dudes on a Back Lot. My man, R.L. Sutton. That's me. I'm Mojave. We got something to say, but no one asked. You know, we're we're geeks from the old school. We're Gen Xers. We grew up in the 80s and 90s, and we're young adults in the 2000s. And I would say we grew up in a time where it was real cool to be into geeky stuff. It wasn't cool to be a geek, and they made movies, you know, against that, like Revenge of the Nerds and, you know, the stereotypical nerd from the 80s wearing glasses with the piece of tape in between the glasses and all that fun nerdy imagery but today in what is it the <laughs> the arts was like the 2010 so this is like the 20s i guess yeah we're in the roaring 20s of the 2000s we have conventions where you can meet up with like-minded people and whatever you're into people most likely will accept you you're into star trek doesn't matter. You could be hanging out with somebody that's into anime. You're in anime? Doesn't matter. You could be into hanging out with somebody that's into Star Wars and classic black and white Flash Gordon movies. There ain't that many of those type of OGs left. But we're going to talk about conventions. Specifically, pop culture sci-fi conventions. One of the big ones in the U.S., if not, I would say the world, is Dragon Con that happens in Atlanta, Georgia, every year. And our own R.L. Sutton attended Dragon Con. R.L., break it down for us. Dragon Con was founded in the year 1987. It has grown to be one of the major conventions here in uh, the U.S. It had over 80,000 individuals at it this last one in 2023. And just to really put Dragon Con in, it's not a con where the studios come and roll out the newest wares of things that they want you to buy and consume. This is a celebration of all geekdom. And things like you can have people from the Department of Defense there talking about military aircraft. At the same time, you have a workshop with some of the greatest writers of pop culture you could have movies playing some of the in one of the convention halls panels actors a celebration of fandom is what i like to think of it as here's the thing about the price if you buy your tickets now they're going to cost you about a hundred and twenty dollars if you buy them the day of the day the event happens because it happens every labor day weekend the prices start out about a hundred bucks right now, and they slowly go up er- over the time. So, right close to Dragon Con, you're spending about two hundred bucks. Now, that's person. usually a weekend. That's over three days or two days, or does it? Oh, this thing kicks off. Change? This thing kicks off Thursday night, and that's one of the things they had a, a independent wrestling house show to start it off. It goes into Friday set. Friday, it starts getting going about noon. Saturday, it's all day. Sunday, it's all day. Monday, it's all day. And they kind of, Saturday, they have a parade in the middle of it. And it kind of unwinds Monday. They have a 
and it's kind of set off to the side. It's basically a merchandise market. It's like three stories of people selling, you name it, they have it there. It takes up three major hotels, but it also has two other ones that you have to walk to that have events going on. And it's just a lot. You're just in the door. It could cost you anywhere from $100, $200 at the moment. And you can just roam. Some things do have, like the writing panel I went to had an additional fee. But most things, you can just walk in. You can watch a panel. You can go over, see a movie. They got in the downstairs of one of the hotels, they donate blood. So you donate blood. You get a T-shirt. Of course, food and other items like that are are extra. They had a little arcade that I enjoyed. You just got your lanyard on and you can roam from any hotel to the next. And then it's something I didn't see a lot of until I got here, but they have what's called sky bridges. Okay. And so you don't even, at some points you don't even have to leave the hotel and you can walk to a neighboring food court and then walk back to the hotel and go up and see this person go up and see that person. It's really cool. Now, for most people, you know, they probably have some coworker at some point that dressed up as some character and went to one of these cons, and that's all they really know. So we know a lot of people go up dressed up as their favorite characters, but what would you say is something that the average person does not know about the con? Like everything from merchandise to getting autographs from some of your favorite like sci-fi and pop culture icons and characters and actors and actresses. I mean, what what are some of those things that the average person you would say doesn't know? If you're not familiar with Dragon Con, the one thing I would say is that there's something there for almost everybody. One of my offsprings went and had a panel with people from the, the from uh, the War College, talking about military tactics. They had alternate history panels. They had just publishers, and not just fantasy publishers, but publishers of just about every genre there. So there's a saying, you can't be something for everybody. In this case, Dragon Con just about covers it, because how often do you know of cons having a a wrestling match the first day uh, of the con? Oh, wow, they actually for. had they actually had a ring there and, and a match. And yeah, the they had oh, wow. independent wrestlers Thursday night, which is the day it started. You went, you picked up your lanyard Thursday night, seven p.m. One of the hotels hosted a wrestling program of independent wrestlers. Who was there? I don't know. I didn't get to, but it's already covered. It was covered in my price. The only thing I would have to do is show up and buy snacks and parking. And Atlanta is set up in a way. It is what it is. You can take a train into the city and the train spills out at what's called Peachtree Center. You go up four floors, an escalator that I say goes to the, the top of hell, and you're at the main center of the three hotels that host, primarily host the event. So you could then go down and watch your wrestling show. And no one's going to look, hotel workers look at you, point you in a direction, and say that's where you want to go. If you have a question and then again, all these convention rooms, you go in, you sit down, you, you ask questions, you see your, some of your more current stars. It's a real big celebration of classic stars. I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Lee majors. Yes. They charge for their autographs and dragon con has a thing like, Hey, if you want to get 
your picture with Steve Austin and Jamie Summers. You can pay this here, or you can just go down and talk to the bloke while you're there. It's really well, cool. Like, Explain who Lee Majors is. Most people don't know who that guy is. To go to the 80s, Lee Majors is the fall guy, which was a TV show about a stuntman. But in the beginning of it all, there was a series called Six Million Dollar Man based on a novel called Cyborg. Lee Majors was a starring character. Also developed by the gentleman who brought us shows like V and many of the other, the Bionic Woman, the original Credible Hulk. So Lee Majors was the star on there. He was one of our first action stars of the 70s. You know, you had the giant figures of the G.I. Joes timing ourselves, those who are familiar with it. But Lee Majors, he had an ongoing TV series. He, this, the sounds are now considered iconic. And it was as close to a superhero TV show as we had just about. That's an excellent description because that's true. I mean, we later got like the Hulk. But yeah, you're right. That was like for us in the late 70s, early 80s. You know, we didn't have Cartoon Network. We didn't, you know, we either our, our heroes were cartoons or as a human person. Yeah, he was like the first, you know, accessible hero with power, so to speak, because he he had a bionic arm, two bionic legs and a bionic eye. So he was part cyborg. And uh, that's an excellent description, my man. That's an excellent description. Yes. But not only you you get to meet stars of the past, but you get stars of the present and the future within the whole pop culture world, correct? Yes, they had um, Ying Chang from Comic Book Guys. They had some cast, some of the cast from Star Trek Discovery. A lot of Ghost Hunter shows. Apparently there's other ones I'm not familiar with. They had people from that. They had people from Lucifer there. The biggest line of all of them. And this just shows fandom. You want to gauge fandom, this is a good way to gauge fandom. Okay. George Takai, Mr. Sulu, the OG Star Trek, and also the captain of the Excelsior for Star Trek fans. Big point. Because we wanted him to get his own show. He was there. He hadn't appeared yet. This is Sunday afternoon, about 1 o'clock. His line was all the way out to convention hall. Of people waiting for him to arrive. Now, you had all these other actors and people. Either they didn't ha really have lines, some of the more current stars, sci-fi stars, or they didn't, you know, they didn't have lines, or there's just a few people waiting. These people were waiting for Mr. George Akai all the way out to Convention Hall, and this hotel is not a small hotel, so it's a pretty good-sized hotel. That's just how much of a cultural impact that show and its fan fans have and the fact that there are fans still today willing to pay. And I think it was about a hundred bucks or more to have a picture, a chance to meet Mr. Takai and shake his hand and all those kind of things. Kind of cool. If you think about it, I think it's real cool. Do you, was it like mixed? Like you had people of all ages. It wasn't just all like a OG Star Trek fans. Absolutely. Yeah. You had every, you had people of all ages, people of all different backgrounds and i mean it was like a concert line you would have thought it was it was the stones or something to you know because there was it just kept going and go and you had to make your way through it and people you know oh the other thing everyone at dragon con is very very cordial very polite everyone's you know we're just here to have 
to have our moment, go about our day. Nobody's really rude. I mean, of course, you get a few people that are a little bit ruder than others, and it's fun to watch people who work at the hotels who have never experienced it. Because understand, a sea of people and everybody's in costume. Everybody you see is wearing some kind of outfit, celebrating their fandom. Old Star Trek costumes, classic and Star Trek costumes. A lot of this, like what they call now cosplay, back in the day we would call them crazy, but now it's like its own subculture, its own subgenre of cosplay, costume play. You have tons of people and you could walk up to them and ask them to take a picture with them. Was anybody bold enough to ask you for money? No. No. I, like the writing course I did was with a gentleman who did the. Um, a gentleman who did many of the Star Trek, Star Wars books, and his writing course had an additional fee. But you were told about it up front, or when you came in the room before they started the course. And the art, his point of view was, you take it more seriously if you're invested a little bit more in it. And he was offering, from a writing standpoint, it was a master's course with a gentleman who's done almost sixty plus novels giving you his methods and his ways of approaching certain things. So it wasn't like you're just some dude who, Hey, I've written two novels here. This is how I do it. This is somebody who's made a career, but he's one of those people who kept star Wars alive during the nineties, one of his books. And he even said he took it as a challenge. They said, you can't write a mystery thriller in star Wars. And he goes, yes, I can. He wrote one called I Jedi beyond that though. Most of the, um, most of the stuff was just, you come up, you get your picture, you ask somebody for a picture if they're in costume. They're thrilled to give you a picture, by the way. I got a little bit off there talking about the writer. But most of the things were, you already paid. Like, if you wanted a t-shirt, yes, you paid for it. But it wasn't a case where someone was like, hey, get a picture with me. And if you wanted a professional picture with celebrities, there was a fee engaged about that for that, but you already paid it in advance. Like, you walked in knowing... This is your time. You're going to get a picture with George Akai if you did a professional photo. And this is what comes with it. So there was no surprises. So the average person, if you'd walk up to them and they're dressed up like Wonder Woman, for example, hey, can I take a picture with you? Most people were pretty cool and cordial. The only reason I ask because of if you've ever traveled to Times Square in New York City or the Vegas Strip in Las Vegas, there's always people dressed up as characters and they're doing it for money. So if oh. you're ever taking a trip, don't approach those people or they'll approach you and act like they're doing you a favor and then they're going to stick their hand out. But it's pretty, it's a pretty safe bet at most, you know, conventions, cons, you can walk up to somebody and they're just a, a fan like yourself and they're happy to take a picture with you. But when in doubt, ask. Yeah. My first experience with Dragon Con is it was in 2018 and I, was walking through the hotel and saw this gentleman who was clearly he had a glove on and had a little reactor. He's supposed to be Tony Stark, like kind of mid transformation. That's, how, that's will, kind of brilliant. Yeah. And I don't think anybody recognized him. So when I said, Hey, do you, can I get a picture with you? He kind of lit up. It's like, Oh my, you know, so they, they want to get pictures done. They, you know, I saw an individual dressed as Q from the original Star Trek, the next generation. The Emperor from the original Star Wars films. And I'd be like, hey, can I get a picture with you? Even during some of the the writing programs I the writing course I take I took, 
the gentleman was like, hey, can I get a picture? And he didn't charge me anything. Now, the Celebrity Walk of Fame, they call it. It's intended. There's a sign there. You can come up. I like a picture with Mr. Lee Majors. They give you something to pick one or pick one of these pictures, sign it, or there's an additional fee, but it's all, there's no surprises like that. Speaking of that, uh, speak about our, our, our uh, great friend, Commander Wilma Deering of uh, uh, Rogers in the 25th century. Aaron Gray, I walked up to her and I engaged her about the show. And I, one of the things I told her right away was I felt that I did not like how they kind of downgraded her character in the second season. And it was, I, I guess I would say she appreciated having a fan who cared that much. Cause right away she just was like, you know, I was this and, da, 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 and I go, she was like, I was, but my character is smart, bold. I'm like, I'm beautiful. And it was just, it was a legitimate thing. I got her autograph says with love. And she took a picture with me and Mrs. RL as well. And it's, she was just a, this is a person in a time when her most character, female characters were still not quite breaking through and Aaron Gray's character was one of those Wilma Deering was a colonel she was in command of Space Force we can do a follow-up episode on the Buck Rogers conversation this is a person who was legitimately appreciated that fans still cared about her character and recognized her contribution to pop culture if not culture at large yeah giving us a strong female her character was groundbreaking because like you said she was she was Dropped dead gorgeous, but not stupid. She wasn't the, oh, come save me, Buck. She was his equal, at least in the first season. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we, that happened back then. It doesn't, it happened back then. So it's not as, this is 1978, 79. It's not quite as groundbreaking when, as people think that they're doing today. Going off of Miss Aaron Gray, I also met Buck Rogers, Gil Gerard. And what surprised me about Mr. Gerard was he, I was thinking this is an individual, if anyone reads interviews from back in the time, he didn't like Buck Rogers. Correct. He wasn't really into it. I would say he's the one that kind of sabotaged his own show. He did. But he knew more about the series and characters than I realized. Because after talking to Aaron Gray, I kind of, and Lee Majors, I kind of had the idea that because they would start telling you more about their stories or have something to say about it. So, you know, these are people who actually enjoy it. And a quick chat with him, I realized this is somebody who actually, looking back now, kind of, I think he feels like he should have done it some other way. And as we're discussing it, he's like, yeah, if I was this character, I would have done this and I would have been, no wonder these people were pissed off. And I was like, Okay, well, what else would you like to know? It's kind of crazy because here he's talking about a story like he would have liked to seen on the show exploring the mutant characters on in New Chicago. He like knew their name. I don't even know their names. I just remember them as mutant characters. And he, he was like, "Did he give up the ghost a little bit and kind of maybe admit that he kind of screwed up?" No, and I didn't want to. Yeah, you don't want to go down that negative. Path. He, here's the thing um him and he's in his what 70s maybe 80s at this point it's 
you can't undo it. Yeah, you, exactly. There's no way you can fix it. And he's way past his prime to show up on to do a reboot. And he had something to say about that as well. So I just kind of let it go because, again, there's no, you know, it's, it's, there's no undoing the stuff that happened. And in fact, he sells shirts that are Buck Rogers that have the Starfighter from the original series on the back of them and got some little pins and stuff. But it, it was just one of those things where you just kind of, you know, this is an old gentleman and I'm sure he's been asked that question a bazillion times already, but possibly so. No. So you 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 gave us a little you spilled a little bit of tea there. What what are his thoughts on a reboot? Um, he feels the first thing he said, and I and it was one of those where I'm at Dragon Con, so I don't want to push it because I really wanted to. I would have liked to said it no more. But he says I was 35 when that show was kicked off. There's no way they would cast me. And he goes, if they were re- reboot it, they wouldn't cast me at all. So. He kind of hinted at some of his. Um, okay, but he's happy. looking at it from a. He didn't just say, "Yeah, he's like in Luke Skywalker territory." Mark Hamill cannot cannot be young Luke Skywalker anymore. But did he mention anything about being in favor, not being in favor? I bet you most people kind of want their thing to be left alone, uh, unless it's Star Wars, where it was supposed to be about building upon what was there before, not what Disney turned it into. I think he was sort of on the mindset that it's frozen in amber and that there's no way to a lot of things that happened on the show. I don't know how you would do it today and I don't think they would do it right. So I think he might feel that way. It's kind of, I would like to see it rebooted, but are we going to stay loyal to the swashbuckling a little bit of James Bond or are we going to go into something? We know (laughs) we go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) <laughs> as I make, as I, you know, wiggle my fingers together. If Hollywood, which right now is kind of broken and out of business, the writers are working again, but the actors are not. If they were to go what they have been doing, then they're just going to, God knows what. They, and they would just, instead of building on what was there, they would just try to just rehash, but do it badly and it would be horrible. Now, if they did a legit reboot with the intentions of, hey, let's see if we could get another Game of Thrones out of this, another Battlestar Galactica, because that got rebooted successfully and people liked it, then there could be something said about it if it was done well. But we're not going to, even if that was in the plans, we're not going to know at least till another two years. There was a writer named Timothy Zahn there. Are you familiar with him at all? Absolutely. He is the individual who gave us Grand um, Grand, Grand Admiral Tarfin that's been featured in the latest Star Wars films. He's Thrawn, the Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn. That's to be featured in the latest, that's being featured in the latest Star Wars films. He was dressed in in an admiral's costume. Him and the individual that I was taking the writing course from both were, went on to do a Star Wars um, band board and everything where they got asked questions and everything. But the, the thing about it is, it's just like, that's how committed this guy is to 
his fans. He had two people walking around with him, and I just looked up. And it's like, I read his name tag. I'm like, that's Timothy Zahn. My wife's like, yes, and calm down. And it was just... That's the most gangster of gangster moves. You're dressed up as the most iconic character that you wrote. I mean, how badass is that? And the writer I'm referring to, ladies and gentlemen, is Michael A. Stackpole. He's the one I did the writing course with. Um, He wrote uh, another film that Star Wars borrowed from. He wrote the book series Rogue Squadron. Okay. And where the name Rogue One comes from. He's the one who wrote the book. It was X-Wing Squadron. Yeah, the guy, Timothy Zahn, was dressed up as in an admiral's costume. He had two individuals walking around with him, kind of. And the one thing that he did there for most of the part was big celebrities. There was a gentleman sitting there with Lee Majors and floating around um, the gentleman from um, comic book guys, Ming Chang, that were their security. And they're just there to make sure that people don't lose their freaking minds. But, uh... (laughs) Did you see any yeah. craziness or everything was people behaved mostly? People behaved. It we it was a case where we all knew that we were there to enjoy each enjoy fandom, to be fans, and to act like we're adults. Now I will tell you that I saw more scattily clad women than I've ever seen and I mean you both know some of the environments I've worked in. And it was just like, oh, okay, well, I'm impressed. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and outside of, you know, it's almost free, you know, where you're not paying like an OnlyFans fee or anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And you're seeing them like in, in, in the flesh because there's like tons of scantily characters mm. in anime and comics and all that. So there was a lot of orig- cool. there's a lot of original costumes, a lot of people doing things that you could tell was like, this is sort of a nod to this show over here or a nod to that thing over there. But if anybody gets a chance, I highly recommend a visit. I'm just scratching the surface because you had panels discussing UFOs. They had a Artemis simulator in one of the hotels where you would see what it was really like to be in that spacecraft, potentially. They had ghost hunting courses like people were telling you okay if you want to go looking for ghost hunt ghosts you go do this and this and this and this and this is the kind of evidence you're looking for if you're as i said i covered writers extensively if you're an actor they had that if you're a voice actor they had people doing that you were talking about and for those who were into cosplay um i didn't see her i kind of wanted to and just ran out my schedule didn't allow for it this year are you familiar with Yaya Han? No, but I love the name already. Look her up. I highly recommend. If you don't know what she looks like, she looks like a living Asian character from Street Fighter. She has taken her fandom to another level. She started out as a cosplayer and now has her own costumes. She does her, she sells cosplay material and everything. So she's kind of turned herself into a, a celebrity within that cosplay culture because okay. now she's selling these costumes that a lot of people want to get their hands on. Yes. She looks like a living Chung Lee from the Street Fighter game. Oh, oh, damn. Okay. And she actually lives in the around Atlanta, but she's there every year and she turned her fandom into her nine to five. 
people pay for her designs. She had her own show on Sci-Fi Channel for a little bit, but she's considered almost royalty in the nerd culture because of she she's the embo- she's the embodiment of these characters sometimes. They also had some podcasters there I was unfamiliar with that had a little board meet and greet. Um, this is the most gangster move of all. The gentleman from Comic Book Guys, Ming Chi, he he actually on day one was in line to see Lindsay Wagner, Who's like a bionic a fan. woman. Yes, he's like, yeah, I'm a fan too, man. And I just look and I walk up and I'm taken back because here's this guy I've seen on TV who he's fake. And th- this is a funny, he's famous for being Kevin Smith's friend, basically being Chen. And he's just waiting in line with all the rest, of, the rest of the normies to meet Lindsay Wagner. And I look at him and I look at it again. And I'm like, and my Mrs. RL's chatting it up with him. Like they're just two nerds. Wait, and he goes, yeah, I'm a fan too, man. And then the next day he's got that Sunday. He's the only appearance had a line down the hall where Pete and he he was the coolest dude because he would let you come up and you would get a picture and he'd talk to you and he would he would give you time to just chill and nerd out with him for a moment he's like yeah you need to really come to jersey man and here i'll sign this one over here that way you can get kevin and all the rest of the guys autograph up there and kevin's up there shooting a movie right now and he's saying it the way you would say if you were talking about one of your your friends like well i mean in his case it is you know it's yeah it's kevin smith the famous director that totally killed he-man but i digress that's another show we've (laughs) already covered exactly but you know he he has a bunch of uh iconic films that i know you're a huge fan of like clerks and mall rats and dogma so yeah i mean to us we're like damn but it's 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 one of his homies it's one of his boys and that's that's kind of cool and 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 he's smart because he's like i'm gonna sign it here so if you make it the jersey and you come to the comic shop you know the other guys can sign it too he's like no man you really ought to come like he's in, almost as like he's inviting me come on man come hang out i'm like okay dude well damn you know and i don't know if that's how he talks to everybody who comes through or not but it was like that was so cool but it's just the uh, little side note. I consider Kevin Smith a successful, successful loser because here's a guy that admitted that if clerks didn't take off, he would have, would have just kept working at the convenience store. And now he's a nerd culture icon. And it's like, he's still into all the things he was when he got there. Overall, I will tell you the only person who kind of acted like I'm a star move on they, was they kind of big time. you, huh? was Lee Majors. And he sort of like, now he did shake my hand like a man. He's like, Hey, cause he's going to come fist bump him. He's looking at me like, what? And like shook my hand and, you know, very good. Continue on. But everybody else was just laid back. You know, you could have, you could have sat there and Aaron Gray was such a lovely woman. You could have hung out with her and just, you know, talked about the show Ming Chang over here. You could have completely saw having a beer with him if you drank or, and just talking nerdism and even Gil Gerard, I'd love to spit 30 minutes just talking to him about what he would have liked to see them do more of on the show, setting aside the other stuff. But even the writers were very cordial and they were like, you 
know, you could just sit there and chat it up with him. My experience, everyone was very welcoming and like willing to talk to you. And you've had the most diverse group in some of those writing, writing seminars that you've ever seen in your life. You're like, okay, um, cool. That's your thing. Moving on. And then, you know, whether it looked like a grandma or it looks like somebody dressed in a, in what's, I think it's called a furry costume. You're just sort of like, uh, huh, okay. Everyone's cool though. Very cool. And it wasn't your corporations pushing, Hey, come see our new movie or come buy our new game or come do this or come. Yeah. Do that. It's not it was- like going to like a theme park in Florida where every place there, everywhere you look is a gift shop and they're trying to shake money out of your pocket. So it's a celebration of everything fandom, which is phenomenal. Exactly. And that's the difference. That's the difference I hear. What I hear about um, Comic-Con out in California is that it's where the studios come to roll after a new merch. It's to get you excited for the new product. This wasn't. I mean, you got people excited to talk about stuff that's decades and decades old. Yes, of course, you got people selling T-shirts and, you know, a little bit of fan experience. It's one of those things where, and I've gone to the theme parks. It's one of those things, man, where I came out of it and I was like, you know what? I'm fine with the money I spent. It was worth it, you know, and I spent a lot of money, (laughs) but I was (laughs) fine. I was fine with it. I didn't feel like I was cheated. I didn't feel like I didn't get my value out of it, which is what you feel like sometimes at the theme parks or some of these other things. Or if you go see a movie these days, like, man, I could have waited. There was never, I didn't feel that way at all. And the surprise of all surprises is Mrs. RL, who's a one and done kind of girl, was like, Yeah, I want to go back next year. I want to get a hotel. I'm like, Okay, cool. Definitely go into the meadery in one of the hotels then. They have a local meadery that sets up in one of the lobbies. And um, it would be worth it. <laughs> For the, you're familiar with what a meadery is, yes? No. Oh, it it's a meadery is basically alcohol. It's a, um, it's, Mead is what they called um, the, the the beer or the drinks that um, Vikings would drink. It was called mead. Oh, okay. So it's like a wine almost, but not quite. It's kind of complicated, but yeah. So do they serve it like in horns and stuff? Around Atlanta, there are places that you can buy it in a horn, and they'll give you samplers. But at the uh, um, during the con, they have a little place down where I think you're allowed to walk around with it. I'm not too sure. Again, it was a sea of people. So I'm sure there's people that were drinking because, you know, it was a celebration. They have what's called, and I'll let your mind go wherever you want. They do have what's called Dragon Con After Dark. Ooh. And it's held in the lobby, and I've seen videos, and it starts out as a dance party. Where it goes from there, I don't know. And where it spills into the hotel rooms. Ooh. Uh, you yeah, got uh, you got me right there alone with just the that party. All right, you mentioned two dudes on a backlog. We'll return after this message. Every culture possesses comparable myths, accounts of distant lands, and the belief of creatures that can transform at will. Should every report be dismissed, every tale written off, every sighting mistaken, is this not a sign of human pretension to dismiss thousands of years of history? Silver, Legend of the Wolf. Waga Comics of Japan is now offering a digital version in English and Japanese of all issues of Silver, Legend of the Wolf. 
We now return to Two Dudes on a Backlog. You mentioned the the OG of all OG cons, which is the one in San Diego, which is, what's the name again? San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, Comic-Con. Okay. That's the original Comic-Con that sparked all of these different cons, like the one in Atlanta and the one in Orlando and New York. And I know they're even doing some in Puerto Rico. You mentioned twice already how that's kind of the con where they'll go. And they, in the past, Disney did it with Star Wars and all these Marvel entities and shows and movies where they unleash these the the new whatever level or or stupid way they call mm. their 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 rollout of their new horrible TV shows and movies that no one wants to watch anymore is that what comic-con is now like it's been kind of hijacked by the companies and studios and it's more of a show and tell versus your cons where it's more interactive and more for the fans. My understanding, even the one down in Orlando had was kind of there to prop up the new star Wars, the last Jedi. And I don't know where the con started. I can't, I never went that far and I don't know exactly why this con kicked off the way it did. I, I met an individual who actually was there, and I know this con started with a. Uh, at one year, they had the guy who did Rocketeer come to it, and he was invited because it was just a local con, and he showed up with a copy of the movie before it was released. Okay. And they freaked out and went to the the AV guy and's like, "Hey, can you uh, loan us a projector because you know this guy showed up and we didn't know it. It's only in one hotel at the time in '87." And he goes, he kind of like, yeah, sure. Went and got them a projector and everything so they could see Rocketeer. And they also went on to fund Star Trek Continues. They were part of their proceeds went to help that series, or they had something to do association with it. Normally, though, cons were just comic book conventions where you might get to meet an artist where people had their back stock, they were trying to sell it. Star Trek even started it, and it was fans writing Star Trek things because they sell. I love this thing so much, and there are other people who like it. That's where these cons started. It's just people, fanboys wanting to talk about to other fanboys about stuff they love. Mm-hmm. It didn't get into until the Marvel Age. It didn't get into this place of hey, we could sell them some more merchandise. Hey, well, and with the internet. Now you can buy these costumes. Yeah, a lot of these and, and these cons, these hardcore cosplayers will make these costumes like the one young lady you were mentioning and others yeah, yeah. will buy these costumes. But you have others that that will take the whole year with this painstakingly task of making this costume as accurate as it is. Now, I have a beef, not a beef, but a, a critique with a, with cosplayers in the sense that if you are totally copying this particular character, cool. I don't know why, RL, but it irks me when people take something that they like and they put their spin on it, and I think that's just garbage. I'm going to walk, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. And this is Okay, why. so so we Like I saw somebody they 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 I don't want to totally out them. They took a a, a pretty big established series that would be kind of popular now because we're in the fall and Halloween and they didn't go full with the costume. They put, they made their interpretation. 
they had like some of the props and it wasn't and it wasn't from lack of money because they built their you know one of the main parts of the props themselves and it looks phenomenal but then they kind of just put their spin on the uniform and they're wearing sneakers instead of the boots that the characters wear and i thought uh, i don't know that to me is like uh what why do you disagree I disagree because that's where a lot of fandoms of spinoff ideas start is I love this idea. Like I got a dozen stories that started from if I could write Star Trek or if I could write this, what would I would want to do? And I think that's where a lot of our creativity begins is I love this, but I would do it differently. And in fact, that's how some fans got into writing Star Star Trek is because they they wrote something. Timothy Zahn, as much as everybody loves him, he's simply a fan who came up with something brand new. Sure, he was probably commissioned to do it, yeah. but you had to be a fan to do what he did and to be beloved the way he is. And I think that's where Hollywood right now is failing miserably, is they're not hiring fans of the material that they want these people to turn out. The complete opposite. They have contempt for it. I even did a, one of my writing courses were on how fan fiction can help you improve your writing. The example was you take, you want to do a Kirk like character. So create your own character and install him or her into a setting that you already have pre-established. And that helps you kind of get a baseline sometimes on what that character is going to react like, or even just you start with an, a simple idea of, you know what, what if you ran into if Captain Kirk ran into a haunted spaceship and then you get a movie like Event Horizon, where I, I kind of draw a line is fan films get expensive and for someone to invest so much energy and time into it and then you can't make anything off it and that's all you do. I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know about, I, I ain't about that. But sometimes just appreciating it, it could help. That's how Yo-Yo Han got her entire career. And her entire career is based on you should look her up. Her whole career is based on emulating other people's stuff. Yes, she makes it look perfect, picture perfect. If it wasn't for her love, but you, but 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 right there, you said it. She emulated other people's stuff, and within the creative process of fan fiction or fan films, I'm I'm cool with that. It's the costume. It's like okay, the original artist established this character with this particular look. Or you're copying this particular look from this particular show or movie, and you're kind of putting your spin on it. It's like I don't know. I, well, the 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 costume of the half Iron Man, half Tony Stark. I think that is brilliant. That's a cool mm -hmm. take. Being the character, being what he is as basically a, a knight in red and gold armor. But when I don't know, it just seems it looked a little cheap or I unfinished. I guess maybe that's I what bothered me versus when you have the, the, the professional cosplayer that sells her costumes, she's going out of her way. Like somebody that's like an Elvis impersonator or a Michael Jackson impersonator, where they're going to make sure that everything is correct to that time period that they're emulating of Elvis or Michael Jackson. I understand you're saying, and I can also, I also see the danger where, you have people who are really good at doing A over here, 
But when they try to break out on their own, if they don't have the underpinnings of these other materials, then they're they're not their creativity falls apart. Uh, Game of Thrones, and I've often challenged people that the guy who's running Marvel, I'm like, if he's truly a great filmmaker, let's see him break out and do something that's not based on something else. And how's that too? Because everything coming out of Marvel is based on the pre-established mythology of Marvel. Yeah, and they 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 even screw themselves to the point where there's so much they could pick from, but they kind of just cherry picked all the things that they felt was cool. And now they have this multiverse that makes no sense. So touche, touche RL, you, you brought up some excellent points, my man. As far as people dressing up like their favorite thing, like I had a jacket on, people thought it was a Star Trek uniform. It just, one of my daughters got me this out, this jacket and it's cut and it does look like the, the, the next generation shirt. And I was like, Oh crap. I didn't even realize that that's what this looks like. And uh, the setting I'm in, people are looking at me like, Hey man, like your outfits incomplete. I'm like crap. But Mrs. RL's already got plans for us to dress up next year. And, and, and what's, what's the, are, are you going to spring it on us next year? Are you going to slowly like unveil the idea throughout the, the different episodes that we keep recording? Um, I will tell you, she wants to be Red Sonia. Okay. And are you going to be Conan? I need to hit the gym seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I need it. Maybe I need to go sign up for those MMA courses tomorrow. Nice wig. You got to shave off the beard. There's a lot of stuff you got to do. King Conan had a beard. I'll go with that. (laughs) At the end of the day, not everybody wants to be in the creative space in the sense of they want to make their life about creativity. Sometimes they just want to appreciate something. Sometimes they want that escapism. Sometimes it's not as serious as somebody like myself who looks at Star Trek as something we could aspire to. Sometimes it's just your average guy who's a clerk at Target who just wants to get away from the world. So he's going to travel to Atlanta and hang out with friends of his. Not everything necessarily is people trying to turn in a job. And you know what? That's cool. The world needs true escapism. The world needs true inspiration and content creators. We need fans. We want fans. We want people who are going to love our material and just be like, man, RL or Mojave. I love that last podcast, right? RL, I loved your book or whatever. Sometimes that's awesome too let's just enjoy the beauty of some of these things and let it be what it is it's not a religion it's not anything else just people having a good time however side note if you if a child is conceived i do not recommend you naming that child hilton because that's where they were conceived with that i'm rl sutton i'm mojave remember the truth is out there have a good one everybody I love that. I love how you kind of like broke down towards the end. Now, as our intrepid duo return to their lives as pizza delivery man and dollar theater usher, we must remember the lessons we learned today. Join us again at the same Backlot Time, same Backlot Channel. Want more Backlot content? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Dudes on a Backlot.